Hallelujah. Come on, give him one more hand clap of praise. Wow, you're energetic this morning. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. We're so blessed here this morning to have a great friend of the church with us. Several, several years ago, I got a phone call by one of my dear friends that I have a lot of confidence and trust in. Most of you know him, his name is Tim Mofield. And he began to share with me about this crazy African by the name of Andre. And he began to say, Ken, I usually don't do this, but he said, you, I feel like really need to have him at your church. And I'm very protective of the pulpit, and to be honest, I just don't have people that I don't know, I pray about it. There's, and the only time I have anybody I don't know is when the Lord gives me the okay about it. And Tim being the kind of a caliber man that he is, and I know him very well, I said, well, you know what, I'll, I'll pray about it and we'll, and we'll see. And it wasn't very long till I was invited into a, a conference call into his ministry called Good News to the Nations, and he's got a movement called The Upper Room. And I was invited to be a part of that, and thank God for that. And immediately when I got into the conference call and I heard his voice, there was a kinship. I just felt it. I just felt that God bared witness of the man. And we began to talk, and I felt like I'd found my tribe. I'd finally found a people that was like me, that had the same vision, the same goals, the same heart, the same direction of what I wanted our nation to go to. And it was there that our journey began on the phone and I invited him to come and he was so graciously accepted. Me and Josh Reasons, the first service that we had him, me and Josh Reasons was going to St. Louis to pick him up and we began to share with one another and Josh began to just open up and deep personal things about ministry. And before long as a pastor, I'm ministering to him and then I opened up to him about the deep personal struggles of my ministry. We begin to share and we begin to talk and um, everything, you know, like that as two ministers would. We get to the airport and we pick this guy up and he gets in the car and it isn't 10 minutes till he's reading our mail, man. I'm telling you, he's ministering to us. Right, Josh's eyes as big as half a dollars. I looked at him and he looked at me and said, man, that's spooky, you know. This man is used in the gifts of the Spirit with a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy. He lay hands on people and they're healed. God truly ministers through him. I don't know what's gonna happen this morning. That's up to the Lord. But I have got a great friend in this man. And you know what? It is true, he's married. His wife is lovely, Naoma is with us this morning. Sister Naoma, would you just stand please? Ah, look how beautiful she is. Amen. I knew there had to be a rose among that thorn somewhere and we found her. Amen. We are so blessed and so thankful that through the journey of life that we have created a friendship with Andre Fancil and that he comes at least once a year, every year, to our church. We scheduled this way in advance because of his travel in and out of the nations of the world. He's gone, I don't know how he does it, I have no idea. He's got more energy than anybody I've ever seen. But I love him and I appreciate him. Would you make welcome this morning our friend and colleague in the faith, Brother Andre Fancil. Would you one more time give the Lord a good hand? 
You may be seated. Thank you. God bless you. Great honor to be here today. Great anointing, great presence of the Lord in this house. It's awesome to come to a church like this where you just sense the presence of the Lord. Thank you for being a pure uh, Holy Ghost church that just love God the Father, God the Son, and especially my groom for God in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Come on. You know, we live in a day where many churches give the Holy Spirit a disabled parking spot somewhere in a room where nobody knows where it is in the building. But here we are in a church where the Holy Spirit is in the main room. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Before presidents and prime ministers, we choose the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great to be here, Pastor. Great to be with you guys. It's so awesome. And uh, I warned Naomi, I said, this is a long drive. I said, we're going into a, a huge city. And uh, when we came closer, we thought we're going to buy something to eat. So she said, let's try Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and <laughs> I said, no, let's not do that one. We already traveled two and a half hours. We don't want to travel another hour to get a Chick-fil-A. So I said, this is the city of Poplar Bluff. But I tell you what, uh, the size of the city is not important. It is the size of the church that is important. And uh, so uh, we settled for something else, Pastor, and, and I will not tell you where we bought food last night, but uh, it, it was okay. And <laughs> praise the Lord. Okay, church, um, you know, I want to talk to you this morning about a word that is... It sounds like it could be negative. It sounds like it could be not good. We're living in a day where, where people say, give us the three keys to a quick fix life. Or give us a, a feel-good something message. And the problem is it only lasts until you walk out of that door. How many of you know there's a difference between quick fix sermons and reality? And we want to know how to face reality. I want to talk to you this morning about the word storms. You say, well, Pastor Andre, that is not what I came for. I know, but you need to hear this. I don't need to be a prophet to say to you that every man or woman in this building, at some stage in your life, maybe several times, you will face storms. Whether you like it or not, you will face them. Now, storms can be difficult, it can be challenging, and it storms is about uncertain times. You know, in heaven one day there will be no storms, and before, the, before we were on the earth there were no storms, but as long as we are on this earth there will be storms. When you read the Bible, you're going to find many, many storms there. And... Uh, you will even find Jesus in the midst of storms. And if you find Jesus in the midst of storms, that Jesus is actually saying, watch what I do in the storm and do likewise. Come on. And, uh, you know, we all want to focus on the blind eyes open and the resurrection of the dead and uh, miracles. There's nothing wrong with miracles. 
But sometimes great miracles occur in difficult times. And uh, so welcome and thank you for your excitement over this incredible topic called storms. So let me say this, no one is excluded. And uh, everybody will face them. Now you're going to talk about, you can talk about mental storms, health storms, uh, financial storms. There's different kinds of storms that, that we can face. Uh, there is unexplainable storms. Yes, there's even unexplainable storms. Some is explainable. There's some storms that God allow over us because of our own doing called disobedience. How many of you know that we all have the gift to be disobedient? Even the pastor, even this man standing here, I can't be disobedient. We all have that gift to do it. Satanic storms is, is, is meant for our destruction. Now, I'm going to end this morning with the unexplainable storm. You say, well, I want you to explain the unexplainable. Sorry, I cannot. But I'm going to show you how God can get involved in your unexplainable storms. And then we just need to learn what we need to learn to get out of it. Let me just say something first and foremost. We're living in a day where uh, we, when you look at teenagers and the younger generation, they are going through storms. The teenagers today go through storms that I never faced in my life when I was a teenager. Because we live in a day of a social media explosion, so there's things available to the younger generation that will just, it just blow your mind. And sometimes when we watch a teenager fall into depression, we can quickly come to a conclusion and uh, judge that teenager. And I want to say this, and I'm going to end with that. Be careful not to judge other people according to your own perception of what they are going through. Be careful. Let us have grace and mercy for people when they go through difficult times. Because if you don't have grace for that person tomorrow, you may need that person's grace for you going through it. Amen? So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just speaking out loud. Jesus talked about storms. We will find Jesus in storms. Storms are not the same. Different reasons for it. And I already gave it to you. Now I want to go to the book of Jonah. And I don't really want to spend a long time in Jonah. Because after Jonah I want to go to Mark chapter 4. And then I want to go to Acts chapter 27. And then Acts chapter 28. And then Matthew chapter 14. And then I think we should be done by 3 o'clock. And uh, then you need to come back for the evening service. How about that? I mean, I only come here once a year, so I need to do five sermons in one, and I'm going to do it right now. I am the guest. You invited me, so you cannot leave the building until I leave the building because I am the guest, not you. Amen. Thank you. I'm just informing you how it's going to work here this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, I will not leave until the guest leaves. <laughs> in Jonah, we have a book that's only about two or three pages long. Jonah, and you know the story already where I'm going with Jonah. Jonah uh, received a word from God to go to Nineveh. It was, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian people. And uh, he left Joppa, which is Tel Aviv today, and he went to Tarsus. So he decided, I'm going to be disobedient. I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. How many of you know that disobedience can cause storms? 
And uh, we all know about the storm that he landed up in. And, and Jonah 1 verse 3, the Bible says, Jonah fled from God's face. Fled from God's presence. Well, I've got sad news for you. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? God is everywhere. And uh, so in Jonah 1 verse 4, and when you read Jonah 1 verse 4, you will see there that God sent a wind. Jonah's now on, in the ship, and he thought he's safe. But the Bible says, God sent a wind. And that wind is going to cause a storm. So here is God. He noticed that Jonah is disobedient, but he loves him too much to just leave him alone. He decided, I'm going to cause a storm but I will get him back on track. Aren't you glad that when you go in the wrong direction and you landed up on an ocean, you may be out of God's will, but you're still on God's radar. Come on. Everybody say, I'm still on the radar. It's like the prodigal son, you know, when he came back, the father was expecting that son to come back so that when the prodigal son came back, the father saw the son before the son saw the father. God is so focused on you, the slightest move you make in the right direction, he will run all over you, grab a hold of you, and bring you back into the fold. Thank you for your excitement. It's overwhelming, I must say. Now, so here is Jonah. He's on the ship, and ultimately he had to admit who he is. Now, let me just say this as well. The wind that God sent, I want to call it a grace wind. The wind of grace. Sometimes there's winds blowing in your life and it doesn't look good, but it's God trying to get you back to where he wants you to be. So Jonah admitted who he was and he said to the guys on the ship that I am the, the reason why we have a storm. How many of you know Jonah's disobedience put a lot of other people in danger? And that is what sometimes happens in our lives. One child or one family member can put the whole family in danger. And uh, that, that, that's what happened on that ship. So he ultimately admitted and he said, throw me into the ocean. Long story short, you know how God rescued him. And ultimately Jonah came back on track and he came back into the lane of obedience and he did what God wants him to do. And church, I want to say it again. We all have the gift to spin off the main track but God is graciously keeping us on the radar. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you've gone wrong. And he already knows exactly how he's going to bring you back. God has you on his radar. So th that is enough about Jonah. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, I want to look at a satanic storm. And in Mark chapter 4 and 5, there's so much meat Revelation, revelatory meat in these two chapters that we can basically spend uh, today and tonight on these two chapters. But it says there in verse 35, on the same day, Mark chapter 4, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to them, the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Jesus is saying, let us go to the other side. So Jesus is part of this whole team. He says, let us Later on to, today, I'm going to talk to you about a storm where Jesus did not go into the boat with the disciples. In this storm, Jesus is with them 
in the boat. Said, let us go to the other side. Now, church, the other side was a demonic territory. And you must understand that Jesus was actually on his way to a demonic territory. And uh, for Jesus to go to a demonic territory is bad news for the devil. So here we have Jesus, and the Bible says, And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat and the other little boats, and a great windstorm arose. Now, this was towards the evening. It was towards the evening. You must remember, they're losing their perspective. They're losing direction. They're losing their markers. They, they are now in fear, and now they worry because they're in a storm. Jesus is in the boat but it doesn't mean if Jesus is in the boat or Jesus is in your life that you will not get a storm. Sometimes storms comes to us because we have Jesus in our lives. Because you must understand when you carry Christ in you, you carry the very one that Satan is after or want to get rid of. So here we have Jesus and they're in a storm. And the Bible says there in Luke 4 that Jesus slept close to the stern uh, of, 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 the, of the ship. He was, he was right there asleep, which is actually a great prophetic picture of having peace in the midst of a storm. And then the Bible says there in verse 37, a great windstorm arose. So here we have another wind. We, we just noticed in Jonah 1 that God sent the wind to get a hold of Jonah. But here we have a different kind of wind. The Bible says the wind arose. That word arose in the original language is when things catch you off guard. How many of you know that sometimes life will catch you completely off guard? You go to the doctor and all of a sudden you get news you never thought of something hiding in your body. A windstorm arose. Even nations will have things that will arise. Families will have it. A windstorm arose. It's, it's normally when something abnormal happens. Pastor and I just spoke about an abnormality that we notice. Why? Because Satan is at work. I mean, what you see happen in Russia and Ukraine is just something that surfaced to show us what is the agenda of the evil one globally. So here we have a storm that arose, and then Jesus rebuked the wind. Now remember, Jesus created the wind. So now he rebukes something that he normally used to be a blessing. Wind can bring rain. But now he rebukes it. Why? Because Jesus realized this is not a normal wind. The word rebuke, when Jesus rebuked the wind... It's the same word that Jesus used when he rebuked demons. And by the way, if you study the ministry of Jesus, you will notice that his ministry was constantly, he rebuked demons. And uh, so the modern day church will have to get used to it. That true Holy Ghost services will ultimately end up in demons going out of the lives of people. And, uh, and church, I'm not, I'm not demon-focused, but I'm telling you, God is here to set us free. So he rebuked the wind. Now, when you look at this storm, you will notice that, or when you look at storms such as this, 
The insurance companies calls it the acts of God. Or they blame it on God because if they cannot explain it, they just say the acts of God. That's why any insurance policy that you sign for, you need, always need to look out what do they not, do not cover and they will talk about the acts of God. But this storm was the devil at work. The devil's intention was to drown Jesus. Because if he could drown Jesus, number one, he will not get to the other side because there was a stronghold there that belongs to Satan. Satan was in control of the whole territory. So sometimes storms will come at you because of what is waiting for you on the other side. Sometimes you have a mission in your life that is so God-ordained that Satan decides, I better make you sick now and try to derail you because I don't want you to reach the other side because if you reach the other side, you're going to cause me more trouble so Satan tried here to drown Jesus. Water was, water, because Satan realized the 12 disciples, if they get to the other side, it's, I'm fine. But I don't want Jesus to get to the other side because he's the man that can take territories back. And um, you must understand the devil tried about 67 times to kill Jesus before the crucifixion. Jesus carried holy blood. And he's the only person that carried the blood that can rescue the earth. And Satan decided before that blood is shed, let me rather drown him and get rid of him. Come on, church. And I want to say to you, the devil will not drown him. So the devil tried numerous times to do this. And we all know the story. And well, we all know that, that Satan feared holy blood. John 10 10 talks about the devil as a thief. So the devil has one thing in mind, and that is to steal. But when you get, look at the other side, and I'm not going to minister on chapter 5 because there's so much there. It says there in, in, in chapter 5, then they came to the other side of the sea, of the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, the overseer of the International Church of God met him right there. No. When he got out of the boat, who met him? The strong man of the territory. Isn't it amazing that sometimes the devil knows firsthand when God shows up? Sometimes you and I are slower than the enemy to know when, when we are at a God move. Because it, what happened here is he showed up and he came out, out, of, out of the boat and immediately they met out of the tombs a man him with an unclean spirit. So here is the man. Nobody could control him. He was out of control. And the Bible says there that um, he had his dwelling amongst the tombs and no one could bind him even with chains. And, and, and because he often, uh, uh, he, was, he was being bound with shackles and chains and the chains has been pulled apart by him. So nobody could tame him. And, and you will also know the Bible, when you, when you read all the verses there, the Bible talks about a territory there. And uh, he was cutting himself. But when he saw Jesus, he ran and he worshipped. It's amazing that Satan knows God needs to be worshipped. And if Satan knows how to worship without attending a worship seminar, how much more will we know how to worship him who were created in the image of God? Come on, church. 
And uh, he cried out with a loud voice and he said, do not torment me. You see, the first thing that will happen, a true invasion of a Jesus move will bring, tor- the Satan will be tormented. Uh, bodies and human beings will not be tormented. Satan will be tormented. Uh, and I'm not going to go into the detail, but when you go to verse 15, you will see there, and they came to Jesus, and they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. So here they have, remember, all the demons went out of him, a whole legion went into the swine, and they all drowned. We didn't even cover that. But in verse 15, it says, The people came when they heard about this because they heard about the man that nobody could control has just been delivered. And now they came and they saw the man sitting there with Jesus, sitting, clothed, right mind. Three words, sitting, clothed, right mind. That is the prophetic picture of what a nation and a territory will look like once Jesus is done with them. And I want to say God wants to bring you and me back, our cities back, our towns back, our nation back, sitting, clothed, right mind. Everybody say sitting. Sitting means he was at peace. That man could never sit down. That man could never sit down. He was was so demon-possessed he he had no peace. But he was sitting, and interesting, the Bible says clothed. That tells me that most of the time he was naked. So he's sitting and he's clothed. And then the Bible says right mind. You cannot separate those three. When you are in your right mind, it will show in your clothing. It will show in, in how peaceful you are. And, and, and that is a prophetic picture of America. And, then, and the Bible says, and they were afraid. Now they are afraid of a man that is normal. And that is where America is today. America is afraid of the church because the church will release Jesus and Jesus will bring America back being normal. But we are afraid of being normal. We are afraid of being delivered. We are afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that can bring back true normalcy. Hallelujah. They were afraid. And then they began, watch this verse 17. They began to plead with him to depart from their region. You see, it's all about territory, regions. And the the body of Christ needed to become aware that when we carry Christ, we carry an authority over a region, over territory. And I want to say the American soil, the American borderline does not belong to filthy people. It doesn't belong to demons and the devil. The borderline of America belongs to the body of Christ. With Christ in us, we control the territory. Hallelujah. And that is why the devil tried to drown him in the ship 
Because it was not only one man, it was a whole territory that was at stake. So every satanic attack in America is all about territory. And God will not allow the territory of your finances and the territory of your children and the territory of your mental health and the territory of your body. Oh, God will not allow the territory of any name of any sort to be fought, to fall into the hands of Satan. Give God praise. Pursuing his will will create storms. So welcome in the church. We are built for storms. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 10 to 11 clearly says, let Satan take, don't let Satan take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices we are not ignorant of what's going on in the world we are not ignorant of the spirit that is running around rampant we are not ignorant come on you cannot fool everybody you cannot fool the church you cannot fool those who are filled with the holy ghost luke 1 verse 9 says he gave us authority over demons james 4 7 says submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Three words, submit, resist, flee. You cannot resist the devil and he will flee. You must first submit. If you are not in submission to God, whatever you resist will not work. Come on. It's not you that make the devil flee. It's how you, if you bow low, you can stand high. Come on church. Is this a church that bow low? Is this a church that bow low? Is this a church that pray? Yes, I've heard about it. Yeah, so the Lord says now you can stand high and you can take authority over this whole region, over Missouri and even beyond. Amen. Give God praise. <laughs> We're talking about storms. Now I'm going to go to Acts chapter 27. And in Acts chapter 27, we're going to look at a storm caused by other people. And then automatically we will look at storms that, that brings opportunities. Amazing. Sometimes God will use a negative season to, to get to a point where God will turn it around for the good. How many of you know that God can turn anything around for the good? Now, in, in, in Acts chapter 27, and you know the story so well, how the Apostle Paul, who had a mandate from heaven on his life, and uh, he wrote about 27, 28% of the New Testament, but Paul, we all know about the Apostle Paul, he was on the ship, and he's on his way to Rome, and he warned the people, and the owner of the ship, and the helmsman, he said to them, you should not you should not sail. It says there in verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things that Paul spoke. So they didn't listen to Paul. Now they're going to sail on the Mediterranean Ocean. The Mediterranean Ocean those days, you do not sail on that ocean in the winter because it's too dangerous. But they did not listen to Paul. You see, they ignored the voice of the church. This is, a, this is also a prophetic picture today where America ignoring the voice of the church. But I, I have good news for you. When the crisis emerge, 
they will run back to the voice of the church, the voice of God, because ultimately we are the reason, we are the salt of the earth, and we are the reason why God can turn a storm into something good. So what happened here, after long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them, verse 21, and now Paul speaks to them. They're on the ocean. They're in trouble. And you will notice there, when you read it for yourself, an angel came onto the ocean, and he found Paul in the middle of the ocean on the ship. Amazing that the angel did not visit the owner of the ship. Doesn't speak to the centurion. Doesn't speak to the helmsman on the ship. The angel came to Paul and he said to Paul, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. Paul, you have a mandate from heaven. And because you have a mandate from heaven, you are now in trouble because you're in a ship that doesn't belong to you. You are a prisoner. But Paul, I don't care about the rest of the ship. I care about you. And we need to get you in Rome. Can you see how the mandate from heaven on the life of Paul is going to give other people hope? So what happened is they landed on the storm. The angel spoke to Paul, said to him, you must go to Rome. And Paul called everybody on the ship and he said, I've got good news for you. He said, you should have listened to me, but you did not. But an angel of the Lord that belongs to the God who I serve spoke to me and said that I need to go to Rome and we will lose the ship. So now Paul prophesied in a storm that we're going to lose our structure. We're going to lose what, what is supposed to keep us safe. But he said to them, we will lose the ship. We will run aground, but not one of you that is on the ship will die. Isn't God gracious that 276 men who's out of the will of God will not die because there was one man on the ship who had a mandate from heaven. One man, one woman with a mandate from God can rescue a nation. Hear the word of the Lord. One man. God needs one man. God needs one woman. And God can rescue people by the millions. Hallelujah. They lost the ship. It's impossible for 276 men to not die when a ship goes onto the rocks. Not one of them died. Why? Because the Bible says in chapter 28, and I'm not going to preach about chapter 28 for too much. In chapter 28, the Bible says it was debris. They lost everything. And the Bible says they found out they are now on the island Malta. Church, they never went to Malta. They never wanted to go to Malta. Storms will bring you to places where you never planned to go to. Storms will wash you out into places that you've never even heard about. They found out it's Malta. And then Paul made a fire. What happened? Snake came out of the fire. It was cold. It was rainy. Read it for yourself. Bible says he made a fire. A snake came out, bit him by the hand. Amazing. 
The snake did not bite any of the 276 men, but he came and he bit Apostle Paul by the hand. You see, the Satan knows who's the man that carries the authority. And I want to say to you, if the bite of Satan comes to you, don't have a negative party. God will get you through it. Now, now listen to this. The Bible says, when they saw the snake bit this man by the hand, they said, um, well, he must be a murderer. Well, he was a murderer in his previous life. But he's not a murderer anymore in the eyes of God. You see, when God cleanses you of your sin, I cannot hold any of your sin against you. I will, I will be in contrast with God. And what happened is, and I want to say to all of you, don't let the devil remind you of your wrongdoings and make you live like you're guilty. You're not guilty. You are forgiven. And, uh, and then the Bible says, and, and, and they said he's a murderer, and then the Bible says in chapter 28, and when they saw that he did not swell up and die because they thought he would swell up and die, they said, oh, he must be he must be a, a God. So he got promotion from a murderer to a God. What gave him promotion? What made them change their mind? They changed their mind because the Bible says, the Bible clearly says they changed their minds. They changed their minds when they realized this man, bitten by a snake, doesn't swell up and die. He must be a God. Immediately they realized this man is different. This man, you see the, the difference is this man is on his way to Rome. This man has a heavenly appointment. This man cannot die one day before his time. And I want to say to this whole church and every believer, the devil can now take you out one day before your time because you have an appointment with Rome. You have an appointment in the future. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I have a Rome appointment. So what happened here is uh, they changed their mind. And now all of a sudden in verse 7, there's a shift. And the Bible says in that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen whose name was Publius. And they, and they received us well. And, and, they, and his this man's father was sick of the fever and dysentery. They brought the man to Paul. Paul prayed for the man. God healed the man. And because God healed the man, they brought all the sick people on the island and God healed them all. So now we have a healing crusade on an island that was never on the agenda. God can turn a storm into an opportunity for the gospel. Do you know that Malta means honey? So God gave them something sweet after a bitter experience. God is so mighty, he can turn bad experiences into something good. Three months later, there was another ship that took Paul to Rome. What am I saying to you? You will go through storms, but you will not miss your destiny arrival. 
you will not miss your destiny arrival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No storm can take you out. I cannot pray for all of you. I cannot spend five minutes with every one of you. I cannot, I cannot even meet you and even try to remember your name. But what I'm saying over the microphone is no storm can take you out. Do you know, do you know, do you know that that spot, Malta, today is still one of the most populated places with church buildings? Probably Roman Catholic. But it still reflects to the footprint of the Apostle Paul that, that went shipwrecked. And when he went shipwrecked, coming out of a storm, he decided, I will use this opportunity. And I will leave the footprint of the gospel on this piece of land, even when it came out of something I never planned to do. Allow God in you. To leave a footprint in places where you never planned to go to. Storms brings opportunities. Okay. Let's go to the unexplainable. Matthew chapter 14. This is the last one. I know you are so tired of storms now. <laughs> Matthew 14. Let's start with verse 19. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves. And the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to, to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the multitudes, and they all ate, and they were filled. And they took up 12 baskets of fragments that remained. So uh, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides the women and the children. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. But you know what? They had a bread conference. That looks like the conferences that we love in America. You go there, and they even give you free stuff. You get a t-shirt for free. You get a book for free. Oh, it's so nice to go to all these kind of conferences where, oh, man, it's so good. We ate so well. We, oh, man, I made, I've got a whole book full of notes. And, oh, man, this guy's an incredible teacher. We, we love that. Amen. We love that. So, so Jesus did this bread conference. But then something strange started to happen in verse 22. In verse 22, it says, immediately, Jesus, Jesus, so Jesus is involved here. Immediately, Jesus, remember, the bread conference is now over. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. Jesus made his disciples. He, he made his disciples. It doesn't say he asked his disciples. It doesn't say let's have a committee meeting and vote whether you should go on this water. It doesn't say, may I get your permission, disciples. No. Jesus is the authority. It says he made his disciples get into the boat. Get into the boat. Uh, and go before him. Before him means he's not with them in the boat. Here we have something we cannot explain. Jesus made his disciples go into the boat to the other side. 
while he sent the multitudes away. And he went up the mountain by himself to pray, verse 23. Okay, Jesus, so it is sunset. It's getting dark. You're going to pray. You're going to go up that mountain and pray. But you made us get into the boat. And you made us go onto this water piece. And you know the landscape of this ocean here. Everything here could be a, a very, very ideal place for a storm. Sunset. Getting dark. No markers. Jesus actually forced them to go into the boat. That word made is a strong word in the original language. It implies they were not willing to get in. How many of you know sometimes we do things and we know it's God, but it doesn't feel good? There's a lot of things that God can cause you to do, but it doesn't feel good. If you want to stay out of the boat, you already know that Jesus just asked you to go into the boat. And you already know the last time, Mark 4, he was with us in the boat. Now he sends us onto this water and he's going to pray. Uh, Jesus, I have another suggestion for you. Why don't you go into the boat alone and send us to pray? I mean, Jesus, in the sunset, why, why can you not go into the boat and do your little thing and we will go and pray? <laughs> well, the last time I checked, they don't pray. So now Jesus is forcing them to get in. I, I, I can already, because remember, they knew the ocean, they knew the water, they knew everything about that whole region, and they knew it's not good. And I can imagine Peter, you know, Peter was the chief apostle in the New Testament. He was there. And with his kind of temperament, I think, I think, this is just my assumption, I think Jesus and Peter had the final, I mean, the other disciples were already in the boat. But Peter probably said, Jesus, whoa, whoa, Jesus, I'm a fisherman. I think Jesus said, Peter, get in. How many of you know what it feels like when you need to discipline your children and they don't want to be disciplined? What do you do as a parent? I know you don't do it in Missouri, but in South Africa where I come from, sometimes you made them do it. Is there anybody here ever that had to make your children do things? One, two, three, five, nine, ten. Hmm. So here we have them. They're on the lake. They, he's, he's gone to pray. You must understand, church. Let's look at this. For them to go into the boat, they reason, why will he ask us to do this? It's sunset. But he doesn't do this with us. Jesus looking at them. Jesus is looking at them as man. And Jesus looks at them as God. Because Jesus was God in flesh. 
they are not God. They are just man. You see, sometimes God will ask me to do things that doesn't look right, but all I know is it's the will of God. Can I be honest with you? There's many things in my life. My 42 years of ministry, I'm 70 years old. I just got 70. Sorry, Naomi, she doesn't want me to tell the people my age, but she's 39, so I just want to let you know. A woman is always 39. If a woman is always 30, 39, she's most probably older than 39. But they all, they all get stuck at 39. That's what I've learned. I could be wrong. I don't know how it works in Missouri. But okay. In my life, 42 years in ministry, I know one thing. There's many things God wanted me to do. I just feel like he made me do it. He made me do it. But man, I don't, I don't see it the way he sees it. And you know what happened? Here it comes. Bible says there, the boat was now in the middle of the ocean, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. So now there's a storm. It's a huge storm. They can lose their life, and Jesus is praying. You see, church, sometimes even in America, we can go through storms as a nation. We can go through storms in the globe. You can go through storms in your family, and you don't understand. All I want to say to you today is, don't seek explanations where there is no explanation. Trust God. The Bible says it was in the fourth watch of the night. The, the wind was contrary. The fourth watch of the night was that time in the morning that they, those days, believed is Satan's hour. And you will also read there in the scriptures, the Bible says, and Jesus came walking towards them in the fourth watch. He came to his church, the brain trust of his church, the disciples is in a boat, in a wrapping, in a structure that is in danger. And when they were in that storm, they probably wondered, where is God? Here comes Jesus, walked towards them, and they were so polluted in their mind by the fourth watch that when they saw Jesus, they said, it's a ghost. You see, that's where we are in America. We are so polluted in our mind with CNN, ABC, NBC, Fox News included, include all the news stations. We are so focused on the fourth, uh, the fourth watch mindset that Jesus is already coming our way in the midst of a huge storm and we don't even know it's him. That's why they said it is a ghost and they cried out for fear. Jesus looked at them Jesus, remember, it's the devil's hour, the fourth watch. Jesus could have done it in the first, the second, or the third watch. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to visit my church in the darkest hour. And I'm going to show my church that even the devil's hour belongs to me. Sometimes when God made you do things, hang on, hang on, don't give up, don't give in, don't drown, keep your faith. God says, I'm going to reveal myself to you from a different perspective. 
You see, they knew what Jesus looked like in the boat. But Jesus said, I want to teach you what I look like when I walk on your cancer storm. When I walk on your diseases, when I walk on your curse, when I walk on the very thing that you fear. Jesus said, the things that you do today that you cannot explain, hang on. I'm already coming in your direction. You see, he's God. Church, I must be honest with you. To be in the ministry, even to be in America, sometimes I say, Lord, look at this and look at this and look at this. You say, well, oh, Pastor Andre, you know everything. You're a prophet. No, I don't know everything. I walk by faith. If I do prophesy to you, I prophesy in part. I do not prophesy because I know everything. I just know what I need to know, when I need to know it, for the purpose I need to know it, and that's all I know. Sometimes I say much, sometimes I say little, sometimes I say nothing. But even me walk by faith. And I'm telling you, when you see Jesus arise, coming towards you in the fourth watch, you realize he's not only Jesus the man, he's now Jesus who is God. I think when they went onto that water and Jesus made them go and Jesus said, goodbye, I'm going to pray. I think the disciples must have looked at him and thought, doesn't he care? Why can he go and pray? But what they did not know is they're going to see him in the unexplainable storm in a way they've never seen him before. I've got good news for you. There is a visitation coming to you soon in your darkest hour. I've got good news for you. There's somebody that's walking in your direction and soon you will see the silhouette of his, oh, oh, I thought I'm going to die. I thought I'm going to die in this hospital bed. I thought I'm going to die. I thought it was over. I did not understand. I'm confused. But God says, hang on. I've just done my prayers for the day. I know exactly where you are in the ocean. And I'm coming your way. And before I reach you, I will not get into your boat. I will even allow some of you, if you want to, to ask me whether you can walk on the water with me. And I will even allow you, Peter, come on, Peter, come Peter, 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 you were not willing to get into that boat. Your temperament was that one person who was not willing to get into that boat, Peter. You were stubborn, Peter. Peter, huh. although you were stubborn, maybe getting into the boat, you will be the one that will have the guts to say to me, can I walk to you on the water? And then you will walk on the water in a storm and you will sink and you will not drown because God will never allow you to drown within the reach of Jesus. 
Got a word for you. You will not drown, but you're going to walk in the unexplainable storm that does not make sense. How many of you want to be honest this morning? These unexplainable things. You came to this meeting this morning. You said, I hope I will get an answer. Maybe some of you came to this meeting and you said, well, we've got a guest speaker. Somebody said he prophesied. Oh, I believe he's going to give me a word that will get me out of my mess within five seconds. <laughs> and now this man that you thought was going to give you a word is telling you, I don't know myself. Can you bring a better speaker next year that knows the answers? But God says, I will never make you do things and then you drown. When I make you do things, I will show you in that moment what God looked like in flesh. How many of you need a Jesus moment with skin on? How many of you need a Jesus moment with skin on? How many of you need a Jesus visitation when it's dark? How many of you say, I'm in the season of the unexplainable? You say, well, God, rather let me go into the storm of disobedience or go into the storm that is satanic. No, God says, it is in the unexplainable that you will see me manifest my glory and rescue you Rescue all the disciples, rescue everybody around you, even rescue your structure, your business, your finances. And when the sun rises tomorrow morning and you look at that ocean that you almost thought you will die, you will look back at that ocean and you will say, last night, last night he came to my hospital bed and he rescued me. If you have unexplainable things in your life, stand on your feet and say, today, I'm going to dedicate the unexplainable to my God. And today is the breeding ground for the unexplainable to become the miraculous. Hallelujah. You say, I don't understand what's going on with my children. I don't understand what to say to my grandchildren. I don't know what's going on with the finances. Come on. Some of you carry a sickness or a disease in your body. And you say, I don't know. I quoted all the scriptures. I've prayed. I've done everything I thought I know how to do it. But it still sits in my body. Pastor, the elders, they laid their hands on me and, and I thought I will be healed. Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling with a sickness. Can you tell me where is God? Maybe you ask me in the context of this word, you say to me, is he still praying? When will he come from the mountain? 
We're going to drown. It's night. It's dark. We don't even know where it's north or south, east or west. Where is he? He's in the mountain. He's praying. I've got good news for you. He just left the mountains. He's coming down the mountains. He's making his way towards the water. I've got good news for you. He just stepped onto the water. You don't know where you are. You've lost your direction. He is God. He's got you on his radar. Okay, I'm going to walk northeast. Okay, that's where they are. I am God. I can already see where they are. I'm going to visit them. They probably now think they're going to die. I made them to do this. I'm almost there. I think soon they will notice somebody's coming in their direction. Let me just change my direction a little bit. I just noticed the water took them in a different direction. But I'm God. I know exactly where they are. <laughs> oh, today I'm going to show them what I can do. When all they expect is a ghost. Okay. Okay, I'm close now. I'm close now. Oh, there they are. There they are. They panic. They've got no direction. They think they're going to die. Oh, they say I'm a ghost. I can hear they say I'm a ghost. No, I'm not a ghost. What did he say to them? He said to them, it is I. He's getting closer to you. Come on, lift your hands and close your eyes and This is holy ground, church. This is holy ground. I know you're standing on your feet, and I know that some of you cannot stand for too long. But I want to I go a little bit further with this whole thing. If you're on your feet, why did you come to the altar? I want to look you right into your eye, and I want to help you. Just give me a few minutes in the altar. Come now. I'm going to stretch my hand over you, and I'm going to pray that you will not die in the fourth watch, but you will see the sunrise tomorrow morning and you will know God in the season of the unexplainable. Pastor, I don't know whether I was disobedient. Pastor, I don't know whether it's satanic. Pastor, I don't know who was disobedient. Pastor, I cannot explain. You don't need to explain. You don't need to explain. You are just a human being. But the God of the universe is here. And the God of the universe says, I will make sense in the hour of your unexplainable. Come quickly, come quickly. Come a little bit closer so that everybody can get in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, church, come on, church. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, you know, Sometimes when I prophesy, and I actually prefer smaller churches, then I can prophesy to more and don't feel guilty. But sometimes when I prophesy to one and two and three and five and ten, I go to my room and I say, Lord, but there was 200 others. But then I think of that bread 
And the Lord says, trust me with the bread. Trust me with the word. The bread is a type of God's word. The word is bread. I just brought you the bread of life. And God says, when I speak over you this morning in a corporate sense, I will break it down and I will multiply it. And God says, I will give you so much that every one of you will go home with a basket of your own. How many of you believe that as I speak over the microphone, the Holy Spirit, come on. Must I tell you why you are standing here? Because you will say after the service, every word you said spoke to me. Is that right? Do I know why you are standing here? Because if I can have a conversation with you, you will say, Pastor Andre, you spoke to me. How is it that I can speak to you? And she said, no, I spoke to her. When I asked her, she says, no, you spoke to me. And when I asked that gentleman, he says, no, 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 I think you spoke to me. And then his wife says, no, 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 you spoke to me. But how can they all say, I, 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 I have not been in your seat this morning. Can I tell you what happened? It's the Holy Ghost in me and through me that spoke to all of you because he's giving you bread. This man is on his knees. There is a woman with tears. When I look at each one of you, why did you come to the altar? Because you will say, you spoke to me. And I'm saying to you, but I have not been in your seat. If you ask me now, where do you sit? I said, I don't know where you sat. I don't even know your seat number. I don't know where you sit, ma'am, but you came. Can I tell you why? Because you heard the voice. And now I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord to multiply this bread. And I want you to lift your hand and close your eyes. And, and I want the praise team to just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Father, there's so many people here with unexplainable problems. There's so many people here with unexplainable situations. There's, so, there's people here that doesn't understand why they need to go through what they go through. There's people here that is praying for long weeks and months. And they say, I don't know what's going on. I love the Lord. I read my, the Bible. I sow my seed into the church. I pray prayers. But I don't know. And Lord, I come and I say, you are the God who is even in control of the unexplainable hour. Some of you have lost your markers. Some of you have even lost your identity. Some of you say, I have no identity left. You are one of them, ma'am, you. You say, oh God, oh God. When I go into my room and I look into the mirror, I look at the face of a woman that was not the one that was born into this body. I have lost my identity. I have turned into something I never wanted to be. And then Jesus said, I'm going to turn your identity back to where it was. I can transform you. I can transform you. Come on, church. Come on. Father, I pray. There's people here that are in this altar call. They are sick. They say, I, I cannot get rid of the symptoms. 
I don't know what to do anymore. Father, I pray this morning that you will touch men and women. Come on, church. Come on, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. I want you to cry out to the Lord. I want you to whisper a prayer to the Lord. I want you personally. Come on, personally. Personally. Come on, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is so strong. He will give everybody a word, but humanly it is impossible. Come on. Come on, man. You better take it. You better take it now. There's somebody on your ocean. There's somebody that forced you to do it. But now the same man that forced you to do it is the man that's coming and saying, now I will show you what I look in the unexplainable hour. I am Jesus. I am the Son of God. I am in control. I will not allow you to drown because you have a future appointment. Come on. You have a future appointment. Some of you, all of you have an other side. You have a destiny in your future. And the reason the devil tried to take you out like in Mark chapter 4 is because the devil doesn't want you to get to the other side. But when you get to the other side, you're going to be a threat for the kingdom of darkness. You're going to be a threat. Come on. Everybody that's in the altar say, I will be a threat for the kingdom of darkness. Where is the intercessors? Where is the altar workers? Come and lay hands on these people. Come and help me real quick. All the altar workers, come quickly. Lay hands on people for me. Just come and lay hands on people. All the altar workers, just lay hands on people. Just help me. Just lay your hands on people. Father, I speak life. I speak healing. Father, I pray that you will touch somebody in the stomach area. Father, I pray that you will touch somebody in the stomach area with ulcers and even more than just that. I don't know who it is, but Father, I pray right now that you will heal that person. Father, I pray that there's other people here that have signs in their body that is causing them a lot of fear. I pray, Lord, that you will take care of it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, man. God is not finished with you, ma'am. God has not given up on you. You've come through it. You've seen it. You've been troubled. The weapon may be formed, but it's almost it won't like you got tired for the fight. God says, I'm going to make a way. Falls, it won't you are human, but I am God. The God I serve knows but I can be God in your triumph. humanity. And I can make a way. My God Lay my hands upon her Father in the name fail. of Jesus. Lay my hands upon her Father in the yes, name of my Jesus. God will never Hallelujah. Fail. You made and it thus far, man. You made it thus far. I'm gonna I pray see God. The unexplainable for the will be explainable. Belongs to you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see Touch this lady, Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Oh. You know, a man can take so much, and then a man can also break down. There's a time that you need to be manly, and there's a time that you need to be strong, but then there's a time that you say, I cannot take it anymore. It's too much. Every man and woman has a breaking point. 
every person have a breaking point. Even men have breaking points. And sir, you have come to a breaking point. You have come to a point where you say, Lord, if you don't come to me on the ocean, I will go down in the ocean. God, if you don't come quickly, I'm going to drown. You say, God already swallowed water. My boat is falling apart. God, people are stealing from me. People are taking away from me. God, I don't know how to pray. God, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know how to form one word to pray. Lord, I'm so tired that when I go on my knees, I just cry. God says every tear that you've shed is a prayer. God says, I do understand the words of tears. I know the sentences that your tears have spoken. And Father, I lay my hand upon this man today and I say to him, I am the God when you've lost your direction. I'm the God when you've lost your markers. I am the God that can even replace the voice of your family and your wife because they have said everything that is so beautiful and it doesn't help anymore. Only God can help you. Only God can help you. I lay my hands upon this man. Come on, church. I spent a lot of time with this one man, but that's what happened when you started minister. How can you go home? How can you pray for everybody like this? But God, this man is desperate. He's drowning God. It is just the fingertips of his hands that are still above the water. But God says, I pull you up. I grab you. I am God. And God says, I've got you, son. I've got you. Just before you drowned, I got you. When Peter almost drowned, Jesus grabbed him by the hand and Jesus said, come to me and walk with me. I've got you, says the Lord, I've got you. I've got you, I've got you, I've got you, I've got you, I've got you. I deliver you and I set you free from the snares of man. From the snares of man. I set you free from the snares I will deliver you from the hands of man. You will not dance according to the music that they play. You will dance according to the music of the Holy Ghost. Not the music of man, but the music of the Holy Ghost. I got you, son. I got you. I got you, son. I got you. Let's go back to the boat. Let's go back to the boat. You thought you will never see the sunrise. Son, your sunrise is a guarantee. Tomorrow is another day. Hear the word of the Lord. For 